Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to be talking about iOS 15.2, Apple's new Business Essentials program, probably talking about the MacBook Pro a little bit still as well, and we've got a ton of other news. This episode is brought to you by Molecule, Simply Safe, Wealthfront, and VPLS. You'll hear about those in a moment. And joining me, my friend across the pond, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Hello. It's uh, slow, long, tedious. I have 16 days to go before my MacBook Pro arrives. Oh, that was going to be one of my questions today is whether or not you got it in hand yet. No. You're still waiting. Are, did you did you max that thing out? Is that why it's taking so long? Yeah, I mm, I, I added some options, shall we uh, say. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's very coy. Okay. Did you at least go with the M1 Pro or M1 Max chips? M1 Max, actually, in the end. Yeah. All right. I'm very excited for you. We're going to talk about the MacBook Pro in a little bit because... The reason why they're taking so long to come in probably is because a ton of companies are ordering like massive quantities for their teams because of the performance gains and time it will save. So pretty wild. We'll get to that in a minute. What's what's your current delivery date? When does it say it's going to come? Well, I actually have a widget counting down. My widget <laughs> says 16 days, one hour, but I'm guessing the hour is a bit random really right. uh, so <laughs> wait which which widget is that the deliveries app that i use doesn't do that no i created a widget in um widgeridoo i think it's called widgeridoo. and added it to a smart stack so that it just pops up in my face every minute <laughs> you know oh when my. i need to know <laughs> widgeridoo <laughs> but what how is it calculating that estimated ship time is it using the tracking number no, it's nothing as fancy as that. I gave it the earliest possible delivery date from the range oh, Apple gave me. And I've realized I'm, I'm obviously trying not to tell you the date. I think it's just because I've put it from my mind, despite thinking about it every minute. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, some people have actually gotten their MacBook Pros earlier than Apple even estimated. So, you know, there's hope that it might just show up one day. That's happened to people. Oh, don't do that to me. You give me hope. Okay, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you take it away. It's like the hope that I have that you'll ever watch Ted Lasso, but that hope is dashed weekly. I'm not even going to ask you anymore. I mean, I I, I wear the T-shirt. Isn't that enough? Okay, now, wait, now, we did this on Twitter, but we didn't talk about it on the show. So, obviously, Ted Lasso has been an ongoing bit between you and I because mm-hmm. you saw, like, 30 seconds of an episode and dismissed it. But oh, harsh. I, no, 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 got, no, no, no. I got you a gift. I sent it to your home in England. Yes, you did. What I thought I bought you was an AFC Richmond blanket so you could, you know— cover yourself in Ted Lasso during this cold winter. Yeah. But you keep saying shirt. So did you get a shirt or a blanket? Um, I'm, I'm a crafty kind of person. I obviously, I drape. That's what I do. And I, I prefer okay. to wear it out where people can see it and know that I'm a Ted Lasso fan. And so we'll stop asking me I see. about it. That's what they, that's, that's, that's what happened. Wait, so I still can't tell. Is it, is it a shirt or a blanket that you have? It's a blanket. Oh, it is a blanket. Okay. I was like, did I tell you how confusing it was when it arrived? Because um, I was expecting a projector to review and it was coming the same day. I had the same notification, went to the post office to pick it up because they didn't deliver 
to my door for some reason. Um, and they handed me this light little fluffy parcel instead of a <laughs> wacky grey projector. I was scratching my head, going, trying to open it up as I drove. So um, I laughed a bit and swerved quite a bit on the road back. You are responsible for some dangerous driving, sir. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad I could surprise you because I didn't even tell you it was coming. So yeah, that's you had no idea. No, you didn't. Had no idea. I remember saying this on Twitter, actually. That's the nicest thing you've ever done, and I forgive you. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So listeners, even though William Geller has not watched Ted Lasso, he covers uh, himself yeah, with wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Let's oh? just be clear here. Uh-huh. Read the first script, watched oh. the special short episode they did for it, walked away. Yeah, really? okay, okay. So then in my definition, you have not watched Ted Lasso. That's all that's my story. Uh. And I'm sticking to it. Actually. So we'll see. Sorry, just a side point because you reminded me of this. Talking about reading scripts, I read the scripts of the first episode of Only Murders in the Building. uh, Hulu in the States, Disney Plus here in the UK. And as written, it is so replete with Apple references. A character was uh, expected to murder someone with an Apple pencil in it. (laughs) And then when it went to air, they'd they'd toned it down, they'd taken out anti-Android comments, and they changed the Apple pencil into a knitting needle for it and things oh but my. it was so over the top you thought was this oh written for apple tv or what i feel like apple would have an issue with that someone yes. using an apple pencil as a weapon oh my <laughs> goodness <true. laughs> anyway well I'm, I'm glad you drape yourself in ted lasso that's that's thank you my heart warms <laughs> for that all right well we have actual news that we want to get to ios 15.2 The second beta was released earlier this week with some new features that'll be coming once it's publicly available. So just run down some of those features, then we'll talk about a couple of them more in depth. But the legacy feature is coming to 15.2, meaning you can specify specific contacts that can access your data if you should pass away. So a spouse, partner, family member, you can actually give them access this way if you are gone it's not just totally locked and unavailable. You know, up to this point, unless someone has your iPhone and Apple ID passwords, your information would just be locked up. Apple can't unlock that for you. But now with this legacy feature, you'll be able to specify individuals that can access your data once you're gone. So it's actually a welcome feature there. Then app privacy support, which is different than the like App Store, you know, privacy cards or whatever. This is going to be a feature in the settings app where you can see what apps have been accessing information like your location, photos, camera, and microphone, and if they've accessed it recently. And then you can see like, are there apps doing nefarious things in the background? Even to the point of seeing what domains on the web specific apps have been accessing and how often they've contacted those URLs. And so this will be a great feature to see, are there apps doing things in the background that you just did not know And then you can make good decisions on whether or not you want to keep that app on your phone. I'm looking forward to that feature. William, what do you think about that? Well, I like the sound of all of these, except, um, well, the legacy one, I'm just not going to die. I've decided. Oh, that's good. If I ever have to, I want to cause trouble on the way out. Cause a ruckus. (laughs) Get out of it. But the privacy report one, I love the idea. I love the kind of accountability of it. But I strongly suspect I'll just never get around to looking at it. Um, What would prompt me to be suspicious that Final Cut Pro is doing something naughty? Well, I don't know. I would say on your phone, you know, a lot of people experience battery drain. And sometimes that's a rogue app in the background. But I think that report will be helpful for those of us who provide technical support, you know, for family and friends. 
it'd be a good place to see, like, did they download some random app that's doing a lot of stuff in the background? But I'd also be interested in things like TikTok or other social media apps like Facebook. You know, what are they doing behind the scenes that this will reveal more of that kind of things, especially things like microphone and camera, which in iOS 15, you know, there's the feature that shows the little green and orange dots when microphone and camera are being accessed up there. Actually, that might've been an iOS 14 feature, but this will give you even more information about what apps are accessing in the background. So yeah, yeah I'm looking forward to that. I should say, actually, sorry, you said iOS 15, of course, but I keep thinking of the privacy report in Safari. So I was thinking Max. That's why the final component. As soon as you right. said it about battery power, yeah, um, I'm with you. And then you lose me again when you suggest that there might ever be a reason why Facebook could be doing something <laughs> uh-huh. untoward. That that was just shockingly uncalled for. I know, I it's thought. a wild, wild theory that they might yes. do nefarious things in the background. <laughs> yes. But We'll see how many times it calls meta.biz or whatever their website is. I don't even know. But some more features coming. Hide my email, which is an iCloud Plus feature if you use iCloud Mail. Previously, if you were signing up for things and this was a setting deeper in the app, you can choose to hide your actual email address when you sign up for something or even a newsletter. And then this way you can actually eliminate that email address, that kind of secret auto-generated email address So you can prevent spam messages or even just prevent companies from having your actual email. Well, that option will actually be built into the mail app. And if you use iCloud Mail, you'll be able to choose hide my email right as you're composing a message. So welcome feature. I've actually been using iCloud Mail more often since the custom domain thing has come into effect. And I found it been working pretty well in my stock mail app on my iOS devices and on my Mac. You can just choose the from field and I have multiple email addresses there from custom domains that I set up in the iCloud.com settings and it's been working fairly well. So I I got it to work even with a .fm email domain and so it's working. Have you tried that again since the initial uh, launch? Actually, no, I haven't. Although I've been using hide my email a lot. I'll tell you something I, I didn't expect and like very much, um, you know, the uh, private relay that's in beta. Yes. I used to have my mail account set up so that it didn't show me any images unless I explicitly said yes, because I was getting loads of spammy things. Yes. Now, uh, it asked me about this, but I agreed to let it, it will show me all of the images. And I know that, that my data is not being sent back to that spammer for it. Right. So I get a cleaner, nicer email experience without any problems. So I'm actually, you know, somebody emailed me saying they completely disagree that iOS 15 was in any way interesting. I liked all these little things that I have that are so good. They are very good and they are welcome privacy features for sure. And I think I'm going to do that like what you're just saying. I have Private Relay turned on, but I still have the load images automatically off. And I think I might change that because like you said, you don't have to worry about the the spam tracking stuff. That's pretty slick. At some point, you should be prompted, actually, whether you want to keep that on or not. I wouldn't have thought to try it if that hadn't happened. So I don't know why it hadn't happened with you. Yeah, I'm obviously special. That's 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 clearly, obviously, Mm. obviously. Mm. Now, two other quick features, items that can track you in the Find My app, you'll now be able to, in 15.2, once it becomes publicly available, is scan to see what air tags or items are following your location that maybe are not on your account. You know, the whole stalking with AirTag scenario that came out once AirTags launched, you'll actually be able to go in there and see what's 
following me? Are there any devices that can see my location in the Find My app? And you can kind of be proactive about finding those devices near you. And then this final feature is probably going to be, again, controversial because Apple delayed this initially. But in 15.2, the child protection safety feature in messages that uses machine learning to ascertain whether an image contains nudity, it will blur out those images for children iCloud accounts if they are under the age of 18. Now, this was part of the child safety initiative that Apple talked about over the summer. It was the CSAM plus messages safety plus the Siri and search safety measures. Now, Apple delayed all of those things because of the controversy around CSAM. And to be clear, this feature in 15.2 has nothing to do with CSAM or looking at the photos in your iCloud photo library. This is nothing like that. This is just for child iCloud accounts and parents can opt into this. It's not on by default. Parents with children that have iCloud accounts can turn this feature on. And if a child either receives or tries to send an image that contains nudity, the image will be blurred out and then the child will be given either resources and the option to not look at the photo if they're receiving one. The one part of this feature that Apple removed was that parents would be notified if a picture was received or sent that contained nudity. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Again, as a parent with young children, I was probably going to keep those notifications on to see like, is someone sending my child these kinds of images? I would like to be notified of that. But Apple removed that part of the feature, the notification of parents, because there were concerns that if a parent receives that notification, there might be a danger to the child, or if there's something about their life that they don't want to share with their parents because their parents would react or have a, a negative reaction to, they didn't want to put the children at risk. So the notification to parents part of the feature has been removed, and this is really just will affect the child's experience on their device, whether they try to send or if they receive images with nudity in it. So I thought that was interesting, William. Yes, I don't know where I sit because I'm not a parent uh, for it. Um, my default is to, uh, like everybody, to have their own individual responsibility. But when does that kick in? When are you old enough to really grasp these issues going on? I, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. And this again, Apple has no word on whether the CSAM iCloud photo library feature will be coming or when it's coming or how we'll implement that. I imagine it will be in a a time where they are not announcing other devices because it definitely caused a lot of hysteria when it was first announced and they're probably going to do their best to avoid that the, the second time around. Now, this next announcement from Apple earlier this week, I thought was very interesting. Apple announced a new business essentials program, which is aimed at small to large businesses. And the purpose of this program is for device management directly from Apple. Now, if you are at a company, maybe you own a small business or you work on the IT side of an organization, device management for Apple devices has been a long-standing ecosystem. I actually have personally used Jamf, J-A-M-F, to manage Apple devices, both iPads, iPhones, and even Macs for a long time. This is also used in education-style environments, again, businesses, if you're deploying iPads to employees, maybe it's salespeople or again, to students in a school, you've had to use those third-party options in conjunction with Apple's like device business manager. And it's been a little messy at times, but Jamf and other services have really had a great business for 
that device management. Again, Jamf, I manage about 60 Apple devices through Jamf. And you can add a device into the Jamf system either by a serial number upon purchase of the Apple device, or there's even an open enrollment feature where you can go to a website, put in a special code, and then that device will enter the Jamf management system. And then from there, you can have blueprints, they call it in Jamf, or basically a template of settings like Wi-Fi passwords, email accounts, specific apps to the company that you need to have downloaded for your employees. You can basically say, apply this blueprint to these devices, as many devices as you want, and then all those apps will just be immediately installed and all that kind of stuff. And again, if you're managing a bunch of Apple devices, it's good to be able to, at scale, deploy applications with the touch of a button or lock devices. You can also do things like make the wallpaper unchangeable or the passcode unchangeable. So those are, again, just tools for small business owners. Well, the Apple Business Essentials program is basically that. It's a direct competitor to people like Jamf and other mobile device management systems where you'll be able to manage devices, deploy apps, have groups or blueprints that you deploy across many devices, and it will be a direct from Apple solution. This can be up to 500 employees. And the benefit of Apple's system, at least one of them, this is in beta right now, and it'll be coming in the full program in 2022 through Apple. But from what I've seen and read, one of the big advantages is you can actually purchase iCloud storage through the Apple Business Essentials program and deploy that to your employees. That's a feature that has not been available through third-party systems like Jamf. You can't purchase iCloud storage in Jamf and then deploy it to an Apple ID because there's just not that integration. Only way to get iCloud storage and backup is through Apple and paying for that iCloud. So there's gonna be some first-party advantages to using the Apple Business Essentials program as opposed to things like Jamf, even things like Apple Care and other features that will only be available to Apple. So there's a whole like antitrust, like non-competitive argument to be made here. But I think this is very interesting. And at least for my use cases, I might consider moving to this. It looks to be cheaper depending on the plans that you want to use and the iCloud storage you want to have. But if you can do everything through Apple's system, I mean, it's pretty convenient. I want to step back to us. I had no idea that you managed, you say 60. I do. I manage 60. Are you Are you able to say what who they are and what they do? And The device is for like registrations and like ticket sales and check-in for attendance, those kinds of use cases. And so there's about 50 iPads that have those kinds of use cases. And then also from a music standpoint, if you do like live music production, one of the popular use cases for an iPad is like an in-ear monitor mix. Mm. And so if you have instrumentalists and band people that want to manage the mix in their ears of the instruments on stage, a pretty inexpensive way to do that is actually have iPads that access the soundboard through an app, whether it's Yamaha or whatever, and they can mix their own in-ear monitors right there on the iPad. So between check-in and registration purposes, and then also musicians using it for in-ear monitors. I have about 60 devices and Jamf has been great because the apps that I need for registration or check-in or the apps that the music department needs, I can create those groups. So just recently, we actually purchased 10 iPads for a musical venue and I was able to, I already have my blueprint saved. I was able to add those iPads to that group. And as soon as those iPads turn on, they're immediately configured with the apps that they need. And I see them in the system. I can see the serial number. 
the iOS that they're on. I can force the update or you know prevent the software update like the iOS 15 from happening. So I can do all that remotely. What happens if I join your group and I have my own iPad and I sign up to whatever I sign up to? Can I be working away and suddenly you maliciously in a corner evilly press a button and wipe out my iPad? <laughs> yes, that is the case. And, well, okay. and that's why it's an interesting dynamic because the world we live in today, BYOD or bring your own device is a very popular system for a lot of companies where people already have an iPhone, they probably already have an iPad, and the company saves money by not having to buy devices for all their employees. And a lot of times an organization is going to buy the cheapest Apple device for a you know thing. So if you have an iPad Pro, William, that you want to use for your work, and the company's like, well, you can use your iPad Pro or we'll buy you one, but it's going to be the $300, you know, home, you know, might be a refurbished several year old model. Then you as an employee kind of have a tough choice. Like, well, I want to use my good device, but I have to give the company access to mm. my device. When you add a device to something like Jamf, it installs a profile, a managed profile onto the device. And once that device is in the system for the organization, like I'm looking right now, I can go to a specific iPad and there's, you know, I can lock the device, I can wipe the device. And for a company, that is a security measure where if an employee goes rogue or whatever, they can get all the data off the device and there's, you know, less danger to the company. So it is definitely a, a double-edged sword, we'll say that. Yeah, it's just depends on everybody agreeing to sign up. And I, I, when I was at the BBC, I was provided with really poor pc cheapest pcs everywhere he said cheapest apple devices no this is cheapest pcs and there were many many times when it was quicker for me to email uh, an image to my office mac in another city and then use my ipad to remote control in make edits and send it back to me it was faster than using their machines but i didn't have to tell them i was doing it i just i used the machine they gave me and i provided the work they wanted at the end it, my fault my problem if i right. took a longer route right more creative route yeah, yeah exactly where there's life will find a way let's dress yes. <laughs> but you know one of the things as a business you know if you have many many apple devices and you need to download one app. You know, if you don't use one of these systems, you have to have an Apple ID connected to that device so you can just download even a free app. You know, there's no way to download an app mm. without by being signed into the App Store with an Apple ID. And if you're a small business, you know, maybe your IT department is you as the business owner. That's a lot to deal with, like creating multiple Apple IDs or are you going to log into multiple devices with the same Apple ID? Like it gets very messy very quickly. And one of the benefits of using something like Jamf is you can deploy apps to be installed on devices with no iCloud account connected at all. So you don't have to worry about managing iCloud accounts or being signed into the app store. You can just push apps to these devices that are a part of your management software. Again, that's a double-edged sword because then you'll get employees that are saying like, I need to download this app real quick. Can I have an Apple you know, ID to sign in with? And it's like, okay, do I go through the rigmarole of like adding the app to Jamf and getting licenses and then distributing? Or do I just give this person a random Apple ID to use? And so it's not a perfect system, but in the Apple Small Business Essentials program, you'll actually be able to have managed Apple IDs. And I think it might actually be more seamless, especially when dealing with apps from the App Store and iCloud accounts and backing devices up 
Because that's another thing. I have no iCloud storage on the devices managed in Jamf. And so if one is lost or broken, any data on that device that might be important is gone. Like there's no backups. Those devices are not being backed up to iCloud at all. Whereas Apple's plan, you can choose to do like $3 a month for a single device that gets 50 gigabytes of iCloud storage. And then that device can be backed up. Or if an employee builds a keynote, this was an example Apple used specifically in their video, that keynote won't be lost even if the iPad or Mac, you know, falls in a river. So it's going to be very interesting. I actually applied for the program. It's not something that you can just go in and access right away. But once I get access to it, I'll definitely come back and report on uh, how it is. Why do you think Apple's doing this now? I have actually talked to friends who manage more Apple devices than I do. I have a friend who works in the public school system, and he manages hundreds, hundreds of iPads across multiple schools, you know, within a district. And there are limitations in programs like Jamf where there's a maximum number of devices or it makes it complicated to manage devices in different locations because of weird stuff like that. And so it might just be a a need that Apple has seen from some of their businesses, small and large, that work with them. And so that, but also, this is maybe a, a less altruistic motivation, but services revenue is where Apple is trying to grow. And if they have businesses that move to this Apple Business Essentials program for $3 per month per device, up to $13 for multiple devices per user, that's a lot of increased revenue mm. for businesses that it might actually be a smoother experience using Apple's system directly. So it's a revenue play plus a problem to solve play, I think. Mm. Interesting times. Yeah. So I think it's welcome, but we'll see. We'll see how well the system works once it comes out again. Spring 2022 is when Apple has said that it's coming. This episode is brought to you by your friends at Molecule. Molecule makes air purifiers that don't just trap airborne pollutants, but they actually destroy all those dangerous pollutants, whether it's allergies or just affecting your respiratory system. Molecule actually uses a special technology called PICO, which is photoelectrochemical oxidation. That's the fancy term for saying it destroys those harmful pollutants in the air and doesn't just capture them like most other HEPA filters. We're all spending a lot of time indoors now, working from home, just being at home. Over 80% of people living in urban areas are exposed to air quality below World Health Organization standards. That's why Molecule has developed their technology over 20 years by the director of the Clean Energy Research Center at the University of South Florida, and their patented PICO technology is scientifically proven to break down pollutants to their safer molecular components without producing ozone, which is a known lung irritant. It destroys allergens and other pollutants, and what I love about Molecule air purifiers is they don't look like the typical air purifier. They are beautifully designed and actually look great in your home. We actually had the Molecule CEO, Jaya Rao, on one of the Apple Insider podcasts. We interviewed her, and it was incredible hearing their story and their passion for cleaner, better air in the home. Molecule's Pico technology and filtration systems have been rigorously tested and verified by third-party labs and are scientifically proven to destroy pollutants. And they have multiple models for every size room, even their Molecule Air Pro designed for rooms up to 1,000 square feet or their Air Mini for rooms up to 250 square feet. And many of them work with HomeKit, which we love HomeKit here on Apple Insider. For a limited time, you can save up to $120 on Molecule Air Purifiers by visiting Molecule.com. That's M-O-L-E-K-U-L-E.com and use the promo code Apple Insider. Enjoy free shipping and a 30-day at-home trial 
on your order. Just try it for free. Find out if you like it. That's promo code Apple Insider, all one word, at Molecule.com. That's Molecule with a K. Our thanks to Molecule for sponsoring this episode and for Simply Safe. If you ever wanted to make your home feel safer, there's no better time than now. Our friends at Simply Safe are giving Apple Insider listeners 40% off their award winning home security. We love Simply Safe because it has everything you need to make your home safe. They have indoor and outdoor cameras, contact sensors, and you can get professional monitoring around the clock. If you've heard me and Andrew O'Hara talk about our smart homes, we're big on home security. We like the contact sensors, monitoring, cameras inside and out, and Simply Safe has a new outdoor camera that's waterproof. Works great anywhere outside. Simply Safe was even named the best home security system of 2021 by US News and World Report. You can easily customize the system for your home online in minutes and even get free custom recommendations from Simply Safe. And this is Simply Safe's biggest discounts of the year. You can get a complete home security system starting at just over $100. There's no long term contracts or commitments, which I've been in contracts with security systems in the past and it is not good. So go with Simply Safe. No contracts or commitments. Take advantage of Simply Safe's holiday sale and get 40% off your new home security system by visiting simplysafe.com slash Apple Insider. Again, that's Simply Safe, which is S-I-M-P-L-I-S-A-F-E dot com, simplysafe.com slash Apple Insider for 40% off your entire system. Hurry, this offer ends soon. Our thanks to Simply Safe for sponsoring this episode. Now, briefly, MacBook Pro. Did you get a 14 or 16 inch? I didn't even ask. A uh, 14 inch uh, one, although I think it, by the time it gets here, it might have grown. You never know. Um, <laughs> sure. Sure. Your desire for it has grown. That's for sure. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I have my 14 inch here. Again, I, I did not spec it up very much, but I've been I've been very pleased with it. I really like it. I've used the SD card slot, which is a just euphoric experience to not have to reach for a dongle. I can just stick an SD card in there and it just works. Actually, I've got a, what do you use your SD card for? I use it for audio and video. You know, so if I, if I do any kind of video content with Apple Insider or otherwise, I use an SD card from my camera. And so I can now just plug that directly into the slot and put it on an external hard drive, connect it to the MacBook Pro. And also my audio device, which is the Sound Devices Mix Pre 3, that uses an SD card to record as well. Oh, I see. And so, right. you know, someone actually asked me on Twitter recently what my recording setup is, and I won't go into great detail, but the Mix Pre 3 device is incredible because it acts as a USB device. So I'm recording on my Mac in Audio Hijack, and I have audio recordings there, but it records directly to an SD card in the Mix Pre device as well. So I actually have multiple backups for this podcast that we're recording right now, and if I need to, I can pop the SD card out and just get the raw audio files from there as well. And it's recording William and myself. So audio and video, use the SD cards all over. Very nice. Yes. Love the SD card slot. But several companies have said they are getting maxed out M1 Max MacBook Pros. <laughs> so I was trying to, I was trying to <laughs> yes. be, uh, you know, say that as, as tedious as I could. But they're getting maxed out 16-inch MacBook Pros for their iOS engineers because of the amount of time it will save building applications and deploying them and building them in Xcode and all that. From Uber to Twitter to Shopify, they're all basically getting a bunch of these computers for their iOS and Android engineers. There was some reporter commenting on the amount of time it will save and even compiling Android applications on a Mac is incredibly faster on these new M1 Max machines. 
And so the reason why William is having to wait weeks and weeks <laughs> to get the slightly souped up or maybe really souped up version of his MacBook Pro is because companies like Uber, Twitter, and Shopify are literally buying hundreds, if not more, of these new MacBook Pros. Pretty sweet. Well, I hope they're happy. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you know, and they got that in, you know what I mean? Like they're getting the business side of, uh, of this. But I will say, uh, Mike Worthley, he reviewed the 14-inch MacBook Pro. The 16-inch review went up, I think, last week, and now the 14-inch went up this week. And he gave it a 4.5 out of 5 stars. It is a very, very nice computer. The couple things that I've run into it that I, you know, maybe time will, will solve all this, but I can't use my Bridge vertical dock anymore, and I'm waiting to see if Bridge, B-R-Y-D-G-E, will build a vertical dock for the 14-inch. So I have to have a whole like space kind of set up now for the MacBook Pro to just kind of sit there docked in clamshell mode. But hopefully Bridge will come out with that. But also MagSafe, you know, everyone's excited that MagSafe is back. It is very nice, MagSafe. I like it. But I actually haven't charged it with MagSafe pretty much at all. I kind of have my world set up for USB-C from docking it here at my desk to the kind of chargers that are in my backpack. Everything was USB-C. So I kind of just been jamming out on that. I just keep using, using USB-C to charge. And that's been great. I'm very thankful that Apple kept that as a charging method for these computers. So I don't have to take out that one MagSafe cable because I don't want to buy more for $50, William. I don't know. Are you going to get multiple MagSafe cables when you get yours? No, I'm still just dreaming of the day when the thing arrives at all. But um, oh, no. <laughs> I, I was actually afraid you were going to go there to somewhere that would have put me off. You know, you say that you found some issues with it. And I was like, oh, no, I haven't got it yet. Should I cancel? I can no. live with all of that. That's fine. Um, I'm not as into USB-C as you. I'm slowly converting over. And enough that um, I scrabble to have USB-C plugs. And I'm probably going to have to buy a couple of those for it. So uh, MagSafe will be a thing I don't have to worry about getting a USB-C plug for. Um, so I'll keep it with that. Yeah, yeah. And you won't probably need a dock either, which is nice. You know, you might need to get uh, some of those little USB-C to USB-A like adapters if you have like flash drives or something you need to, to work with. But Sorry, that reminds me when you said about the bridge, uh, I'm, I don't know what that one is, the vertical dock. Is that like uh, the way, you know, 12 South, I think it is, has that um, book arc thing kind of just holds it vertically. Um. Yeah, the I actually have that 12 South one as well. The vertical dock is nice because it actually has ports built into the dock uh -huh. and it has Thunderbolt ports on the back coming out. So you literally just slide your computer into the dock and it is automatically connected to the via Thunderbolt, whatever you have it connected to. And it, it slides in perfectly. So you don't have to, you know, do, you don't have to, connect any cables after you put it in the dock. And so it was just, if you dock often, it's a really convenient way to do it. I'm trying to send you a picture of it right now. This is That'd be really handy. I quite fancy that now you've said it, uh, except you're saying it won't work with, um, well, they, they have not made updated versions for the new 14 and 16 inch. They only have the, the old 13, 15 and 16 inch ones. I just sent you a picture in Slack so you can kind of see it. Oh, I see it. Oh yeah. That is very nice. It's very mm. nice. And it's, it saves space because it's docked vertically rather than like laying down or otherwise. So mm. I really loved it as a docking solution. It was so easy to just slide it in and out. So I'm hoping, I'm sure they will eventually, but I'm hoping sooner rather than later, they update it for the new MacBook Pros. It is uh, pretty welcome. I did see also Grove made. If you're familiar with them, they make a lot of Apple accessories and desk accessories. 
they have a kind of like hammock for the MacBook Pro. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. <laughs> it kind of just like lays in this thing. But again, you have to manually connect whatever cable to the MacBook Pro once you lay it in this like hammock thing. I mean, it's very, it's beautiful. I, I like it. It looks good. I'm flashing back to the things like the PowerBook Duo and things like that, where you would just right. uh, push it into a machine. Uh, oh, actually, I like the wooden thing. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> See, hmm. The wooden thing looks very nice. And I, I love all of Grove made stuff. I have a couple things from them. But again, you, you manually connect the cable after you lay it in the hammock. Plus, it's $120 for a wooden hammock. So I'm not oh, sure. Really? Yeah. I was. Just looking up the bridge one, and that doesn't seem much more. That's something like $130 yes. or something. I'm not sure. Now. Uh, how does the slotting work? Well, for the bridge it? one? Um, yeah. Well, that's why you have to get the exact vertical bridge dock for your MacBook Pro. So they sell per, like based on the model, and then it's custom fit specifically for your computer. Right. And so when you slide it in, it's you know not airtight, but it is you know it guides the computer down into the ports at the bottom of the of the vertical dock. So it connects securely every time. And then there's like a little click uh, once it goes all the way down. So hmm. yeah, it's really nice. You know, actually <clears throat> I took it off my desk because my computer doesn't fit in it anymore. And I don't know, I thought about giving it away, doing like a little Twitter giveaway. I'd give it to you, William, but yeah, it doesn't fit your, your computer either. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, why don't you just include your old MacBook in it? Well, uh, probably, probably when you're shipping, it's probably better, more protected mm. to have something inserted in there. Cause otherwise dust, gets in sure, and you sure. know um I, i'm thinking of you uh-huh you'll have to uh, fight apple for that because I, I traded it in that thing is oh. gone gone <laughs> so yeah that was a you should listen to the last episode listeners if you haven't i talked about my trade-in experience that was that was interesting oh yeah sorry actually i think i just blanked that because for so many years you've been supposed to be sending me your ipads your, <laughs> i don't know how we got started on this i just know it Never you, you just started implying it, and then I sent you a Ted Lasso blanket instead. Okay, so <laughs> that's, yay, that's what happened. Me. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you. There it is. Well, anyway, l- listeners, let me know if you have one of the new MacBook Pros. Uh, tweet at William and myself. He'll just get jealous, but he's got a maxed out one coming. I think he'll he'll be just fine. He'll be fine. I'm willing to tell you what it is. Uh, oh. I like oh, the yes, mystery. Please. Uh, 32 gigabytes M1 Max uh, with. Um, uh, two terabytes mm-hmm. of storage. <laughs> so, and so the, yeah. you got the M1 Max, like with all the GPUs. Oh no, the um, uh, it's the two, aren't there? M1 Max. I got the the, the twenty four GPUs. Yes, something? thank you. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a, well, that's a very nice machine. Those thirty two gigs of RAM. That's the upgrade to get. Yeah, that's, uh, that's what tipped me over the edge in the end. I am so hoping. Well, we'll move on to this roadmap so we can uh, talk about what I hope to get one day. But there was a leaked. Apple Silicon roadmap about about what might be coming in the next year or two. And spoiler, it's going to be more amazing Apple Silicon chips <laughs> that are going to be very powerful. There's a rumor that they'll go to a three nanometer process, which again, puts all the transistors and stuff on the chip closer together, meaning there can be more of them on a chip, making it more powerful. Three nanometers would be crazy, but it's coming from five nanometers, which is the current process, which again, just incredible fabrication technology is amazing today. Yeah. But this roadmap also implied that we will still get one more. Be curious what you think about this, William. One more Intel Mac Pro before it transitions completely to Apple Silicon. The rumor is that a 2022, so next year, Mac Pro 
would feature Intel's new Xeon W3300 chips, and that that will be the last Intel Mac Pro. Apple could still release an Apple Silicon Mac Pro alongside this Intel version, but the rumor is that there'll still be at least one more Intel One coming. So I feel like there's been enough rumors and talk that this is probably true. There's probably going to be at least one more Intel Mac Pro refresh that Apple puts in like a press release or something. <laughs> like, I don't think we're going to see it at an event no. or WWDC, <laughs> but I think there'll probably be one more Intel Mac Pro. What do you think? I, I'm wondering who'd buy it. I already think people who spent 50,000 pounds on a Mac Pro might be slightly burning at the fact that a 16-inch <laughs> MacBook Pro beats them in some places. Right. Um, investing a lot of money in a new Intel machine, unless that Intel machine is dramatically faster. And it's not going to be, because if it were going to be, Apple wouldn't have had to move to Apple Silicon. Right. So I think there's going to be maybe a, a spec update. I don't know they'll even bother with a press release for it. Um, <laughs> I just think, yeah, uh-huh, is, right. is my considered opinion. It could, yeah, it could just be one of those things where on the Apple Store it just appears with a little new tag, and that's yeah. it. You know, and it could be like early next year, you know, January, February time. It just quietly sneaks onto the store, and that's it. And that's the last Intel Mac that ever gets released. Yes, I think it's going to be a trivia point in the future uh, of which was yes. the last Intel Mac, and this is the thing that will trip people up because nobody's going to notice this one. <laughs> I think you're right, but I, what I'm excited on this roadmap. And the reason why I didn't max out an M1 Max MacBook Pro is because I'm hoping for those powerful desktop Apple Silicon computers, namely a Mac Mini Pro or whatever they call it, and the larger iMac, whether it's called Pro or not. But these M1 Max chips in desktop computers that they can just go all out. That's what I'm hoping to spec out and be my primary computer come the spring. Who knows when it'll come? Uh, William, you're a an expert at Apple leaks and uh, mm-hmm, predictions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've called the Apple car several times oh, incorrectly, yes. but you've still yeah. called it. No, uh, consistently. That's what I am. Yes. Inconsistent. When do you think we will see a desktop M1 Max computer? I think possibly about an hour before my MacBook Pro arrives. That's <laughs> that's feeling likely. That feels moment. accurate. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's safe to say we're not going to see it this year. I think Apple's no. done for the year. As far as Max. Yeah, quite lazy, aren't they, really, at Apple? God, (laughs) God. I know. They barely released anything this fall. It's incredible. What are they doing with their time? I know. This episode is brought to you by Wealthfront. You know, a lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading, but just because it's easy doesn't mean you know what you're doing. That's what makes Wealthfront different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about investing. I've been trying to get into investing myself and Yeah, you can trade in a lot of different apps and buy stocks wherever, but you don't get good advice. You don't get guidance on what you're doing. And Wealthfront can actually build a diversified portfolio of low-cost index funds in minutes. You just answer a few questions about what you're looking to do in your investments, and Wealthfront will guide you through the process. You can even build your own portfolio with clean energy funds, crypto trusts, cannabis tech, and hundreds of other investments. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bill while you invest. Wealthfront is trusted with over $27 billion in assets, helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. 
you're protected from unnecessary risk because your portfolio is diversified across asset classes. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free for life by going to wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider. To start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash Apple Insider to start building your wealth. That's wealthfront.com slash Apple Insider to get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront for sponsoring this episode and our friends at VPLS. VPLS is a managed service provider and managed security provider with a 20-year history of industry-leading customer service. So here's the deal. Whether you have a small business or a large organization, getting good IT support can be difficult. Maybe you have a situation where there's just that one guy down the hall that knows everything about the system, or you don't have the funds to hire a complete in-house team. Well, VPLS can help because they can be additional resources for your current IT team or function as a totally outsourced IT department. They offer help desk, managed security, managed backup, and other managed IT services. VPLS shifts the responsibility of managing IT needs from your business leaders and into the hands of their certified professionals. VPLS operates 24-7, 365, providing after-hour support for your team. They have industry experts well-versed in IT needs, and they can handle both large and growing companies. And unlike other managed service providers, VPLS is a true one-stop shop. They have their own data centers and technical staff to help you handle everything from data protection to server hosting. They do backup and disaster recovery, managed outsource help desk and IT support, cloud migration, and a lot more. So whether you're a company looking for IT expertise for specific projects, maybe you just need some guidance or counseling, or you're looking to have an entire outsourced IT staff team, VPLS can help. Visit vpls.com slash goit. That's vpls.com slash goit, goit, to see all their offers, including low monthly collocation rates for all new customers. vpls.com slash goit. Our thanks to VPLS for sponsoring this episode. All right, real quick, I wanted to touch on my iPad Pro White Magic Keyboard. Matt on Twitter was asking me, is that thing still clean? You got a, a iPad Pro M1, you got the 11 inch. You have a Magic Keyboard on that thing? I do. I went black and I'm I'm actually conscious it's already a, a little bit scuffed. You can see some finger oil around the trap bandings and I scrub away at it every now yeah. and again uh, with the correct implements. Scrub sounded like I used something a bit rougher than I actually do. I didn't go for white because I feared white. Um, mm-hmm. Am I right? So it is interesting having the white Magic Keyboard on the large 12.9 inch iPad I actually get compliments. People who are not techie people will just see me using the iPad. They're like, oh, that's a cool case. They just call it a case, you know, because that's just what it looks like at a glance. They're like, oh, it's a pretty cool case. So it seems like it's attractive to people as far as like just the color overall. Now, is it still clean? I mean, it's not 100% like new. I'll be honest there. I've cleaned it multiple times with isopropyl alcohol. And there's like two very, very light smudges that I can't get off anymore that are They're not big. I will take pictures of it and I will tweet them out and I'll link to it in the show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. But it's pretty, it's still pretty clean. Like it still looks really good. And I am glad I went with the white one. It's, uh, you know, and I've put it on surfaces and, you know, coffee shops or restaurants. I've used, you know, I use it, you know, I'm not trying to baby it. 
and it only has two very slight you know spots on it that are like slightly discolored it's not even like dirt like you probably wouldn't even see it at a glance so it's still pretty clean and i'm i'm still happy with it i'm glad i went with the white all right i wanted to touch on twitter blue so twitter actually launched their new twitter blue service which is i think it's three dollars a month and purports to offer additional features things like color schemes inside the app custom app icons bookmark folders which if you use the stock Twitter app, you know, you can bookmark a tweet. Well, with Twitter Blue, you can actually put bookmarks in specific folders. There's an undo tweet feature, which is not really an undo tweet. It basically just makes you stare at your tweet for about 10 seconds uh, before sending it. It's not like you could take back a tweet that you've already tweeted. You still have to delete it. it, but it just basically gives you time to proofread it. That's all it does. And then you can customize the navigation bar at the bottom of the first party Twitter app on the iPhone. So you can move bookmarks, search, you can, you know, take the spaces tab out if you don't want to use that and you can put other ones in. And so those are the features from Twitter Blue. Again, it's a paid tier of Twitter, $3 a month. And so I signed up just to try it. It's interesting. I changed the color scheme, I changed the color scheme to green. I actually like the green color scheme. I did one of the custom app icons. That's nice. Useful features. I actually like the bookmark folders feature. I do bookmark a lot of tweets because it's impossible to find them later. And I don't have like some note that I'm keeping a bunch of tweet links in. So I like the bookmark folders. I like being able to customize the navigation bar. But someone would ask, why don't you just use TweetBot? You know, TweetBot basically has all these kinds of features and it's a better app and you don't see ads. And TweetBot syncs your timeline from Mac to iPhone to iPad. And I'll be honest, I've used TweetBot for a long time and I love TweetBot. It's a great app. But I've want to use the stock Twitter app because A, that's what a majority of people use. So I want to see what a majority of people see when using Twitter. And there are still some features that just don't carry over into third-party apps. Things like Twitter polls, you can't see in third-party apps for the most part and, and other things like that. So I stick with the stock Twitter app just because, even though it's not the best. And Twitter Blue makes it a little better. I'll see if it makes it good enough to keep paying for it. But yeah, that's been my experience. Did you jump on the Twitter Blue bandwagon, William? Uh, isn't it only available in the US and somewhere else? It's another thing that's not in the UK oh, yet, sorry. I think. I'm <laughs> not actually sure about that. Because uh, I, I read that list of things it does. and I, you're mm -hmm. It yeah. is available. Let me see. Let me see. So you got bookmarked folders. The undo tweet feature is just the most disingenuous naming yes. feature. <laughs> like it's not yes. an undo. It's not an edit button. But So it's Australia, Canada, and the US. So again, William, sorry. Like yeah. the Apple card. Oh, uh, apparently, I believe New Zealand has it or is getting New it. And yes, I believe. That's, that's, that's quite close <gasps> to here. Sorry. Really? No, it isn't. It's about as far away as you can get. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, I, I tell you, I'm not that fussed. Apple card, yes. MacBook Pro, certainly. But I can happily wait for Twitter Blue. Thank you. Okay. Although, I'm amused that they're calling it Twitter Blue when a, the, one of the biggest features you can change the color. That just seems a curious name. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like, the the Twitter, like, I change it to the green theme. And so, like, the compose button is green. The little underlines and dots for notifications are green. So, you know, it, it changes most of it. But then the Twitter Blue in the, like, menu is still a blue Twitter icon. So... You know, and okay. the app icon keeps changing back to the default. It doesn't keep my my choice mm. active. So we'll see. We'll see if I keep it. Uh, real quick, Tim Cook did an interview about things like crypto and sideloading. I'll put a link to our article in show notes. I thought it was one interesting that Tim Cook 
maintains an interest in Bitcoin from a personal investment standpoint. So he does have his eye on crypto there. And they did ask him about sideloading, which Tim Cook just doubled down and said sideloading is a security risk to iPhone users. And I think as long as Tim Cook is there and current, you know, Apple VPs and all that are there, like there's not going to be sideloading. Again, the Epic Games versus Apple court trial, sideloading like wasn't even close to being initiated for Apple. And so this was a New York Times deal book uh, interview, and you can read about it on Apple Insider. All right, two quick tips here at the end. I'd be curious if you use these, William. Uh, Amber had a great article about how to teach Siri to pronounce names correctly. And iOS 15 added form fields for contacts in the contacts app for phonetic first name, phonetic middle name, and phonetic last name, where you can kind of force uh, the contact to, you put the spelling, phonetic spelling in there, and then Siri will try to pronounce it correctly. It'll take some finagling to phonetically spell the name so it actually sounds like you want it to sound. But you can put phonetic names right there in the contacts app. Have you tried that? No, but um, it uh, seems to be fine with names for me just by chance. But where I have problems with the pronunciation uh, in um, Apple Maps and Siri directions for things, it sometimes is very peculiar where it decides to put its emphasis in certain words. I'd like to be able to fiddle with that. But actually, there's probably millions of place names I go driving by and only a few hundred contact. Yeah, OK, that's not going to happen, <laughs> is it? But, you know, that's where mm. my my heart for this would like. I, I take it you've tried it? I've tried it. I haven't, you know, one of the things is you can like tell Siri, hey, say the name I just put in phonetically. So I can't like hear what I just put in back easily. So I haven't been able to hear it try to pronounce a few of the names I put in. So I'll follow up next time it actually says one of the names I put in there. Speaking of in the car and directions though, you actually had a tip article where if your car doesn't have CarPlay, just use your iPhone instead. And I thought it was very interesting how you set up your iPhone to work in the car. You want to tell us a little bit of how you did that? Yeah, except I need to spread the blame. Sorry, uh, spread the credits for this. Um, <laughs> Mike Worthley, Wesley Hilliard, very, very strong proponents of this. Uh, my car does not have CarPlay. My wife's does. So I'm very used to being with and without it. When I'm without it, I just have the iPhone plugged into my radio and I ask Siri to do what it does and I don't think about it. They would far rather have proper CarPlay style buttons to press for it and things. And you can conjure it up with using shortcuts. You can get rid of home screens so that when you end a shortcut, it goes back to your page of shortcuts. There's all sorts of clever workarounds of thing like that. But I'm I'm also just not clear. Aren't there certain parts of the States where you can't block your windscreen uh, with a mount the way you can in the UK. And yeah. Wes and Mike were talking about basically putting gigantic iPads on there. And I think the choice is <laughs> either obscure your view, dangerous driving, or you have an iPhone and it's just far enough away right. that trying to reach it. It's, so I wasn't as sold on it, but I liked intellectually the challenge mm. of solving it for it. Yeah, well, and it's nice because when your phone connects to your car's Bluetooth, you can trigger a focus mode like driving. Yeah. And then from that focus mode, you can trigger other things too, or you can build a Siri shortcut that includes the focus mode as a trigger. And then other things happen like your home screen changes and brings up big widgets that are helpful in the car. So I thought it was pretty cool. I'll put that link in the show notes. All right, one last tip I wanted to give everyone. Wes and I have been talking on Twitter about 
you know, what's the big deal about the Mac? I use an iPad with shortcuts and everything's just fine. And I've, I've been trying to tell them some of the benefits of using a Mac, like using a clipboard manager, oh, which you yes. 100%, you know, can't do on an iPad uh, and other hold utilities. On. Hold yep. that thought. There's now Yoink, uh, Y-O-I-N-K for iOS, which, uh, you know, the picture-in-picture feature of iOS 15 lets you carry on watching a video. It somehow uses that to let it stay active and with your permission grab the clipboard and things i think a wonderful idea i installed it instantly when i heard about it it definitely works and i'm just so used to it not being possible that i never remember to use it well i, I did hear about that i mean it's hacky you know what i mean like yeah and it, you it's... always run the risk of apple doing a software update and it just stops working yeah so that i, I still think a clipboard manager on the mac is you know the thing you know, use a clipboard manager. It's amazing. Yeah, I completely agree. The in, the day I first used one, uh, transformative. I actually now have several because it's in parts of different things. But yeah, um, I can't count how many times every day uh, I use a clipboard manager on a Mac. Exactly. So, so that's still, you know, Mac, there's a huge benefit there. Hazel, an app that you told yeah. me about, William, you know, love yeah. Hazel. Well, one of the things I told Wes to try was Text Expander. And I've used Text Expander for many years. I love Text Expander. And he was like, well, I just could use shortcuts. And because on the Mac, shortcuts on the Mac, you can use keyboard shortcuts to trigger shortcuts. You can kind of have a bunch of things programmed in there text-wise and just use that. And I was like, okay, well, but it won't just automatically place the text because, you know, it can't. a shortcut can't just like spit text out wherever your cursor is. You can copy it to clipboard and then you, you can do command V. I mean, it's a pretty quick process but it doesn't immediately expand it like Text Expander does. And so I was talking to Matthew Casanelli, which, spoiler alert, he's going to come and do a special interview episode pretty soon about macOS shortcuts. Very excited for that. But I was talking to him, and he said, there are Apple scripts that you can run in a shortcut that actually will automatically paste whatever's on the clipboard. I said, all right, well, this is probably going to give Wes a point on this Mac versus iPad argument, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I found an Apple script that when run, it will just paste whatever's on the clipboard automatically where your cursor is. And so I built a shortcut and I'll put a, a shortcut link in the podcast description if you want to download it and try it. But this little shortcut basically takes a link either from the share menu or your clipboard, removes the question mark UTM like reference part of the link at the end, just gives you the raw link. And then using an Apple script, automatically pastes it wherever you have your cursor. And so what I use Text Expander for, like this kind of expanding these different things, you can use it with this Apple script that automatically pastes stuff and it acts just like Text Expander and it's just as fast. Like it actually is just as fast. Yeah, I'm going to disagree here. Even without having trying it, this doesn't replace Text Expander. It replaces one thing that Text Expander does. It doesn't sound to me like this can do fill-in fields. So uh, I have a certain set of emails I send to my accountant uh, and it prompts me for my, uh, I'll, I'll copy my invoice number into the clipboard and it will insert that into the various places. It will then let me have a drop down menu to say a payment came from this person. It was via Bax, it was via PayPal and uh, there's an extra field for comments and things. It pops up, I fill in those, it writes the email and it sends it for me. This doesn't sound like that could do it. And also, Keyboard Maestro yes. will let me paste in the last 
but one clip bullet thing. So when I'm doing a link in Apple Insider, I will copy the URL I want it to be. I'll then copy the text I want to highlight and Keyboard Maestro will wrap the previous clipboard URL around the new clipboard text and insert it back into where I want. And I don't, it doesn't sound like yours can do that either. So well, that's, that's pretty fancy. Yeah. And I will say that feature for Keyboard Maestro is something I wish Text Expander did. Yeah. Because that is a, an exact scenario that I would like to use many times, like with inside page links for Apple Insider. But that's a good feature. I will say with the form fields, I've tried to use that with Text Expander. And it's basically just like putting tab, like hitting the, t- the tab button basically virtually to go to the next form field. And you could technically also build that into a shortcut with AppleScript where you can have it just hit the tab button on the keyboard virtually automatically. And because it's a shortcut, you can ask for input like comments and you can you know do the variables and all that. So mm. you might be able to do the tab thing like a form field filler outer, but the keyboard maestro feature that you're saying you use, that's definitely not possible. That's something I wish, I hope, that shortcuts could eventually recall several key, several clipboard snippets back, you know, to be able to get that stuff. So, actually, serious question: You talk about running shortcuts f- uh, on the Mac from a keyboard. I will run it uh, using Alfred uh, and uh, an app somebody added for that. But I actually can't think of a way to run a shortcut without going into you know Automator or something and services and creating. How hacky is this workaround? you've got going it's not too hacky i mean i just created a keyboard shortcut and whenever i have a link either on my clipboard or i'm looking in my rss reader and i share a link i hit one keyboard shortcut and the shortcut runs automatically the shortcut symbol in the menu bar flashes to let me know it actually ran and then the text the link pastes wherever my cursor was. But that bit about this keyboard shortcut, is that a, a feature I just didn't know about in Mac shortcuts? Or yeah, that's using it. Something in, in the oh. shortcuts, when you edit a shortcut, if you're like in the action editor, you click the little settings icon on the top right. And under the details part of the menu, you can choose where this shortcut can be run. Oh, and you can pin it in I'm the menu bar. That. Yeah, use yes. a quick action. And the ser- you can put it in the services menu, but then run with is a keyboard shortcut. And you can put a keyboard shortcut right there. Right. I'm sold. I'm just looking at my mm-hmm. list of several hundred shortcuts. Which one? Can- I'm not going to remember all the keyboard shortcuts for this. But okay, I'm in. Thank you there very you much. That's going to occupy me for the next few weeks while I wait <laughs> for something to arrive. And you can, right, exactly. And you can also add a shortcut to the dock. Yeah. So you can actually have an icon in your dock that runs it from there. And what's interesting is that I got this from Matthew Casanelli. If you add a shortcut to the dock, you can actually right click it inside the dock and show in finder becomes an option. And if you show in finder, it will actually show you the application that is created from your shortcut in the applications folder. And you can show package contents and see like the info p list and version p list and like it's basically a legit application on your mac it basically shows you all those internal files not that you could do much with it but it's pretty wild that all that stuff is created for every shortcut so the excitement in your voice there that's excellent that's just pretty wild it's pretty wild that's i was getting excited anyway stay tuned for that matthew casanelli uh, interview it's going to be really good it'll be in the 
the typical feed right here in the Apple Insider podcast feed. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for joining us, listeners. You can follow and tweet at William and myself. Tell William to watch Ted Lasso. You can send me what shortcuts you've been making. That's great. And you can do that. Again, look in the show notes for our Twitter handles. Also, it would greatly help out the show if you gave us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show with $5 a month, either at patreon.com slash appleinsider or write directly in Apple Podcasts and you get an ad-free, uninterrupted version of the show plus early access if you support it there. And don't forget to check out HomeKit Insider. That show is with Andrew O'Hara and myself. We talk all about smart home and HomeKit devices. We actually talked about some devices to make your car just a little smarter on the latest couple episodes. So you want to check that out. But as always, thanks for joining us today and we'll catch you next time.